Judy was boring. Hello. Then Judy discovered Chumbacasino.com. It's my little escape. Now Judy's the life of the party. Oh, baby, mama's bringing home the bacon. Whoa, take it easy, Judy. The Chumba life is for everybody. So go to ChumbaCasino.com and play over 100 casino-style games. Join today and play for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. Voidware prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. What's going on, everybody? Hope you are having a wonderful week so far. Podcast time. Special one this week. Carnage, a.k.a. Gordo. Um, I was... I can't remember when I was introduced to Carnage. Um, it's got to be about three, four years ago now. Um, we briefly caught up online, um, slid into each other's DMs, as we all do. Uh, and then we've kind of kept in touch briefly over the f- last few years. And I was never really into the the, the whole scene that he was in. Um, and then seeing him slowly move things to Gordo and more into the house scene i've kind of watched him over the years and i knew his story was super interesting uh, but i didn't really know it i didn't really know anything about him or or kind of where he came from um so i wanted to get him on the podcast and this is a very insightful conversation i loved having him on um this guy has worked his ass off for years and still is working his ass off and it's super inspiring um without further ado Carnage, aka Gordo. What's cooking, man? We're live. How are you, bro? I'm here. I'm here in the sauna. It's uh, I'm waiting for it to warm up. It's a steam sauna, so like I gotta put water. I gotta heat up the thing, and uh, I don't know if you can see, but paradise is right there. So you're in Hawaii right now? I'm in Hawaii. Yes, I'm in, I'm in the beautiful state of Hawaii. How um how long have you lived there for? Um, I moved here during the pandemic. Mm-hmm. I uh, shit. I I just in the middle of the pandemic. I live with my grandma. My grandma's eighty years old. Amazing. So in the middle of the pandemic, I was like freaking out, and then like we were in in Vegas, and it was just you know. It was just kind of like, I didn't want her in a big city like that. Yeah. And then thank God that I've, you know, I'm 10 years into this shit. Mm. So like 10 years strong. So it was kind of like, I had obviously the blessings of being able to just move, yeah. you know, in the middle of the pandemic. Yeah. But uh, yeah, like I, I did it and. Uh, I bought the house without even seeing it. I went and did the quarantine here. With I, I did two weeks, then went and looked at all all the houses and all the lots and everything, and then didn't find anything. And then I finally said fuck it, and um, I saw this house that came on sale for like ten hours on mm. Zillow, and I was like, I gotta get this house. Wait, I'm not gonna <laughs> I'm not gonna go back to another quarantine. I'm gonna get this house, and then it ended up being my dream home. Amazing. And now, yeah, it's like it's like most amazing house I've ever been craziest view it's just beautiful I've only I'll been, keep this house for yeah I've only ever been to Hawaii once and I was there for like four days got food poisoning but still had the nicest time ever it's just like a beautiful place well you look like the kind of guy that gets food poisoning <laughs> 
What does that mean, dude? No, no, no. People, white guys like you always get food poisoning. <laughs> <laughs> Why is this? I, I need to hear your theory behind this. I don't know. Just you guys. I don't know. It's just like you don't really see. You always just see like like uh, like you like you look pretty healthy. You know, it's like the most healthy usually people that people have like eat. You know, like not too crazy. You're not like super fat or just like you just like a normal guy. Yeah. And you guys, the guys get fucked all the time. Yeah, it's probably true. I get sick quite a bit as well. I get sick. I, I used to get sick all the time when I was way fatter, but now I've been doing better. But I, I have like, I have like inflammation issues. So obviously I'm flying all the time, so that doesn't help. But then like cheese or just like random stuff will like make me congested and like my body will like get just like, will just feel like shit, shitty, just like certain things. Yeah, I want to I talk about that because you lost a fuck ton of weight. Yeah, I've um, lost 75 kilos for you guys. So shit. you guys use kilos, right? That's a lot. Yeah, I lost a lot. You feel better for it? I feel great. I feel incredible. What was um, what was the moment where you were like, I need to I need to sort this out? I mean, I've had a couple of those moments. You know, uh in 2018 I stopped. I turned off my phone. I went through like a real break, um, stopped drinking for like three, four months. Mm. I went to Thailand, um, my boy's spot, um, Shripan Wall, which is one of the most beautiful resorts on the planet. Um, my boy owns it, it's his family. And uh, I went, went over there and he's like one of my best friends. And I was just like, I was in, I was like, I had a show in Halloween or something. And then like, I like woke up one day and it was just like my all my boys were like came. It was like this like in Atlantic City mm. and like my all my boys. I woke up and it was just like my boys are all passed out on the ground, alcohol and food everywhere. It was like you know, like fuck. There was like a, a girl in my bed. I didn't know. It was just yeah. like it was just one of those mornings. You just wake up. You're just like fucking just disgusted with yourself. Yeah, and. um yeah, and it was just like one of those, it was one of those times and I was just like, fuck, I felt just a shambles. I felt shitty. I was huge. And like, I was like, cool. I was like, whatever. Like, like, I'm going to, I need to like stop. And then I just, I just turned my phone off. I told my mom, I told everyone, my managers at the time, I was like, I'm not talking to anyone, just shutting off. And I went to Thailand, stayed out there. And that was kind of one of the moments where like, I was like, fuck, I was like, I was like, I was, I brought my studio stuff over there. So I was locked in and it was just like. I was like, I need to get my shit together. Then I chilled for a couple of months and then got back to it. Yeah. And it was, it was around the time too, where a lot of like the EDM guys, a lot of the bigger mainstream guys were kind of just like all like, like having like, like, you know, they've been doing it for how long. A lot of people, you know, I don't know. Personally, um, I, I think a lot of majority of, DJs I mean you I mean and, and it's kind of like a normal kind of narrative that like a lot of DJs and EDM producers and house producers not house producers just EDM DJs or just whatever just dance DJs and dance producers a lot of them are nerdy right like that's like a that's like a known thing there's a bunch of like nerdy guys who just like stay at home and like work on the computer yeah, yeah. that wasn't really my case mm. you know um 
I'm good with the computer. I'm good with making music. But I wasn't really never kind of like an introverted kind of guy. I never like stayed home. You know, I had friends, you know yeah, what I'm saying? Yeah. I was popular, you know? Yeah. And I think that's one of those things that also, um, that's also one of those things that has helped me in my life, my careers, like my confidence, you know, yeah. I'm not, I'm not the type of guy that I'm just, I'm not going to get pushed around by some random fucking kid behind a keyboard. You know, I'm just, yeah. that's just not me. Um, I used to get in plenty of fights growing up. You know, I don't have problems fucking beating the fuck out of someone. Yeah. You know, that's the thing. Like, there's a there's a there's a difference. You know, so so the, you know a lot in that time there was a lot of a lot of DJs and big producers and big guys who were were breaking. You mm-hmm. know, because they just were, wasn't used to being in front of people all the time and all that stuff. And obviously, after Tim died, yeah, um, that fucked me up. You know, me and Tim were really really close. So. Um, that scared the shit out of me and i was like whoa i need to chill the fuck out and that made me chill out for a little bit um and then i got back to it and i started again and i got bigger and i got fatter and um and i kept going and then and then and then the pandemic hit and i was coming back from i was coming back from china i was coming back from china yeah i forgot where i was at. i was coming back from china or i was at uh I had I had my festival rare in Myanmar, mm-hmm. and before that I went to Fisher's wedding. Yeah, and I was like, and that's when I was like at my biggest. I feel like I, I went there. I felt insane. I had to go get a suit. I felt so crazy because I was such a big size of a suit. Mm-hmm. And then, um, and then, uh, yeah, I came back from Myanmar. I stopped in Australia. I stopped in Taiwan. And I went in Taiwan and I had, and I had this like new show that was called Grubbing with Carnage, which wasn't a good idea because I was just eating more food. <laughs> and then, and then, uh, yeah, I came back. And when I came back, I, I got sick when I was in Taiwan. Yeah. Um, I couldn't breathe. Mm. And, and I got home and I started freaking out and I was like, okay, I have COVID. I don't know what the fuck it is. Come to find out I had, I had gastritis, esophagitis, a hiatal hernia. And an H. pylori infection all at the same time. Jesus Christ. So my body completely shut down. Yeah. My body completely gave out. And and uh yeah, and that was the beginning of this change. Mm. And basically I couldn't eat. I'd wake up nauseous every day, heartburn every day. It was just bad. My body just gave out. My stomach was completely in shambles. And I couldn't eat anything. And basically, that was my journey. I stopped drinking. I stopped smoking weed. I just completely, I was miserable, actually. It wasn't yeah. like the, oh, I started changing my life. No, it was like a miserable Change. last few years. Bro. Yeah, yeah. Sick. Yeah. And so, but because of that, I was home. Yeah. And I was home and I was working on music. And and with all these changes and all these things, like my whole, my whole, my whole mental change physically, mm. mentally, emotionally, and musically. Yeah. Like, I just like completely changed my whole life. Yeah, and, yeah. Thank God it happened when everything stopped. Yeah. But as you know, and a lot of people know, that didn't really stop me from doing shows. The pandemic, yeah, yeah. I was still doing shows. Yeah. Because that was a time where everything was shut down. Mm. Um, it was a time to evolve. And also with the politics, I'm not as 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 I said earlier, when the whole pandemic thing happened and I and I and I was seeing like it happened in Europe too, where like people were getting called like like plague rats and just like spreading, you know, you're a yeah, DJ, yeah, you're yeah. spreading thing. I don't give a fuck what anyone thinks. 
I will, I will, I will, I will never, ever, ever give a fuck. You're not going to stop me. Whatever you say on the internet, it's not going to stop me yeah. from going and playing show. And, I, and, and the thing was, it wasn't like I was doing it for the money. I wasn't going out there and getting hundred thousand dollar gigs. Yeah. I was going out there and getting paid $5,000 and $6,000 and $7,000. Yeah, yeah. Me and Diplo, me and Diplo were the only DJs that kept playing during the pandemic. And we weren't doing it for the money. We yeah. were doing it because we love DJing and we had fans. We were going and playing in cities and places that were open. Yeah. So, so of all the people that were upset were the people that were in closed states at home and they were just miserable. Yeah. So of course they're going to be mad, you know, yeah, but that yeah. doesn't, that doesn't phase me. And now if you look at it, you think anyone gives a fuck or remembers who the fuck was playing then at the time? No, nobody gives a fuck. I think, also- I think a lot, the big, the biggest problem is people give a fuck too much of what other people think, bro. Yeah, but and that's I, the shit that ruins people. I also think during during the pandemic, it everyone's ex- and it's carried on now, but everyone's extremely sensitive. Um, and, Super sensitive. Yeah, and and everyone rather than allowing this, I say everyone is this is not the case of everyone. I'm massively generalizing. I'm saying certain individuals that they will put so much power onto their op- own opinions and will die on the fucking cross because of their opinions and they won't listen to anybody else's opinion and that's a way you kind of create a really unhealthy society because no one's actually talking to each other everyone's just shouting at each other and no one's listening and that's how you get to where we're at now is you get a lot of people online talking a bunch of shit that actually don't have a fucking clue what's going on they don't also it's that but it's also like you know it's politics and shit and agencies and yeah. promoters and billing that these, these people don't know you yeah. know they don't know about it it's not as easy as being like oh play here why aren't you playing here blah blah you know yeah and it's like i've tried to explain it sometimes but it just never comes out right so i just kind of just keep my mouth shut, shut and just let yeah. them talk yeah i'm it's it's definitely a it's definitely an interesting industry when you get behind the scenes of it and kind of work out what it's actually about. Um, and I was li- I was literally talking to my manager um, just a second, and we were talking about it because the music industry we're all a lot of us are all friends, right? A lot of us are all really close. However, it's or, all- or a, a lot. Of, there's circles of it. There's circles of friends, and then there's a lot of uh, fake kiss ass like oh because of blah blah or whatever and just like fake nice or just being polite i guess yeah when there's a lot of people who play like that's one my that's that's one thing that like that's one thing that i i always like like i love to to remind people that it's just it is also there's also a lot of friends i have so many friends so many different but there's also a lot of fake bullshit that just 100 are like, hey, you know how you nice to meet you, blah blah, yeah, and then yeah. turn around and they talk shit about you. Yeah, yeah, but but I also think there's there's part of it that it's still a business, right? And, 100%. and if you go to most corporation corporate businesses, everyone's just super cutthroat. And the difference mm-hmm. between this industry and corporate industries is that we are there's a huge emotion attached to everything we do. And mm-hmm. it's not just about making money. It's about creating fucking amazing art and kind of giving it to people and making sure that people have a great time where corporations is purely about making money. But 100%. realistically, our industry is full on a corporate industry. 100%. <laughs> 
So you kind of have this like mixed. It's tough. It's definitely tough, but it's also fucking great. Yeah. Um, I exactly. want to talk about, and I think quite a lot of people will be interested in this. I want to talk about how it kind of started for you. Um, because I know, I know bits about you, but we've never really like had a conversation. So I don't know that much about you. Um, so how did it all start at the beginning? Um, I was born in DC, Washington, DC. And then I moved to Guatemala. Yeah. When I was two or so ish, moved to Guatemala. I stayed in Guatemala till I was like eight, nine. Mm-hmm. Moved back to America. I didn't know any English. Yeah. So English is my second language. Yeah. So whenever, whenever, whenever people make fun of me, whenever people make fun of me for like how I speak or typing or whatever, like people, people don't know. A lot of people don't know, but like yeah. English is my second language. Mm. So I, I fuck up a lot of times. Um, like, it's funny. Cause like, I remember I had that, that razor tutorial thing that was like a big deal. And like the whole thing was like, everyone was like, Oh, very much way, way lighter. But that was just how, like I was speaking, you yeah, know, that's yeah, just yeah. like how I, you know, I don't, I don't, I didn't know English. Yeah. You know, I, I stayed back a year. I went to speech class cause I didn't know any English. Yeah. Um, then I learned English and I started losing Spanish slightly. Mm. Um, but then I lived, I moved to America and I got fat. <laughs> I wasn't fat all the time, <laughs> but I was eating McDonald's and all this American shit. And then, um, got fat, whatever. And then, um, lived in Maryland for a while. And then, um, when I was around 16, I moved up North with my aunt who I lived in Guatemala with. And, um, my mother got me this, uh, this FL studio Bible yeah. and got me the disc, the software. And, um, I started working cause I, I was living in the country now and I had nothing to do. I wasn't playing football. Um, I, I wasn't playing football at the time. So I was just at home working. And, uh, basically I started fucking around with the computer cause I had nothing else to do. And, um, didn't really, it didn't really catch to me. Um, so, so like kind of like didn't do anything and then another year passed and then I got back into it and um and then I started making and then I had a friend who was making like who was like a rapper up yeah. the street and I kind of like we were like I was like helping him out like I would like make beats for him and then I was like freestyling and rapping too and um because you so I moved when I moved into America I I didn't really the only thing that was put in my face my mother and my aunties and all my cousins, you know, was rap music yeah. and R&B yeah. and like urban music, you yeah. know? So like, that was kind of like my first thing. And I wanted to be, you know, a mixtape DJ. And, you know, I, that was, that's what I glorified. I was, I was watching MTV and MTV Cribs and 106 and Park BT and watching all of my favorite, you know, rappers, 50 Cent and mm. Ja Rule and Soldier Boy and, you know, Diddy and, and all these people, you know, diamonds and jewelry, you know, like that's what I grew up, yeah. you know, thing. And, you know, like that's what I grew up idolizing, you know, it was yeah. like these guys with all this money and jewelry and, and bad bitches, you know, that was the life that like I grew up, you know what I'm saying? Yeah. And that's like, and that is a very, 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 very small group of other individual DJs and dance music that grew up like that. Yeah. A small, yeah. small. So you have me, who's like one of the only black guys um, that has has done a lot and has, has accomplished a lot in the dance world. 
that you know that's especially why I wear in my the, jewelry. Like, that's, especially in the EDM side of things. Yeah, right? it's fucking ninety five percent white people in the fucking EDM. Yeah, you know what yeah. I'm saying? And like, there's like a, a small group of minorities yeah. who have actually accomplished stuff. There's millions of DJs. I get messages every day of 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 of, of young black kids and Spanish yeah. kids that want to do it and look up to me. You know, and 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 a lot of the, a lot of these things I do, and, and the reason why I've never switched is because I want to open these doors for other kids like me. Yeah, yeah. I don't want to open doors just for you know what I'm saying because I I, I grew up in Guatemala. I've yeah. seen. I've seen, you know what I'm saying? Like I've, I, when I was young, I saw a dead body. Yeah, yeah. You know what I'm saying? Like I've seen, I've seen real, real, uh, 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 what's the word I'm looking for? You know, like, like, um, like I've seen, I've, Trauma. I've seen my, my, I had, I had people who, who lived with me and worked in my house that was really poor. Yeah. You know, like I've, I've seen, I've seen it from my own eyes. I've seen third world country. Mm. You know what I'm saying? So right. like I come completely differently. My, my mind is set completely differently. I didn't have, a fucking, you know, my, my family crossed the border illegally growing up to get me, to get me this, to get me a better future. Yeah. My grandmother crossed the border, the grandmother who I live with now yeah. crossed the border with five kids that were all seven, six, seven, nine years old, mm. crossed the river, got, got granted, um, got, um, got granted, um, asylum in McAllen, Texas with the Red Cross. They were dead broke. Yeah. My family, that book, my mom and my aunties were living off eating raw fucking onions because my grandma couldn't feed five kids. Yeah, yeah. You know what I'm saying? So, like, th- th- there is not a lot of fucking people in our industry that come from that. I, so, I, that's what that's. That, I don't think there's any at all. And I think, do you think that brings a different work ethic to your life? A hundred and fifty fucking percent. It's live or die for me. Yeah. It literally is live or die for me. Mm. My family, like that's like, and that's why I have my grandma live with me because I want it, I want her to remind me every day of what the fuck she did and what she sacrificed so I could be here. Yeah. You know what I'm saying? So like I have a completely different fucking mindset, a different hustle, different determination to all of this. Mm. You know, that's why I have there's so much emotion with everything that comes with me. Somebody fucking talks shit about me or says anything differently about me. And it's completely false. I'm not going to just keep my mouth shut yeah. and be like, oh, you know, this guy. No, fuck you. You're not going to come and tarnish my name in all these years and all these fucking hours I slept and fucking working in front of a fucking computer to try to master my fucking craft that I'm working on because some some other fucking other person has something bad to say or something negative to say. I'm not going to just keep my mouth shut. Yeah. No, I tell you know, you. and that's the type of person I am. And the, when people realize, see, a lot of people who, if any person has anything negative to say about Carnage or Gordo or whatever the fuck, they don't know me. Yeah, yeah. Major, everyone who knows me will speak very highly of me. Mm. If you ask anyone who knows me, because I'm a real ass fucking person, I have nothing to gain from me talking shit about you or me or me belittling you or me stepping down on you. No, I have nothing to gain from that. So if you show me love, I'm going to show you love. It's mutual respect. Totally. Because at the end of the day, we, we might in the, in the future, because I've seen it happen. I've seen people talk shit about someone. And then five years later, that other person who was talking shit is way bigger than that person. Yeah, yeah. And that person's over there trying to piss on your fucking face yeah. because you shitted on them five years ago. Yeah, I've seen that happen. Oh, over so, and over again. In the, over and over oh, again. You see it all the over time. again. So I'm not I'm not going to be the type of person that does that, you know, and yeah. I have nothing to gain from it. So. So, yeah. So, like, you know, like this upbringing and seeing my mom my mom hustle and struggle as a single mother, do this shit. And my grandmothers and all my aunties who didn't have, who didn't have the money to fucking live in a fucking, in a, in a, in a middle-class home. You know, mm. it was, it was, it was, it was seven to eight of us living in a two bedroom apartment. Yeah. 
You know what I'm saying? So it's just it's just a different. It, it, I I come from a different cloth, and thank and thank God to my mother and my my family and my grandmother especially. You know, it's it's given me this type of thing. And and look at me, like you know what I'm saying. I live I live fucking well off. Obviously, I've been doing this for ten years. But you think that's gonna stop me from slowing me down or, yeah, at, yeah. at all? Yeah, it's not totally. Because I have a lot, I have a lot to gain. I have a lot that I go against, and a lot of people don't know that because we were talking about they don't know the politics of this mm. of this corporate world that we're in. You know how much shit I've dealt with being black. Yeah, like it, and I hate and I hate because there's a lot of fucking artists, people, uh, uh, artists of color, people of color that use this as like a as like a scapegoat mm. to be like, oh, I'm black and blah 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 blah. No, I've done a lot being black. Yeah. You know, but there's been a lot of shit, bro. There's a lot of fucking racist ass fucking shit. A lot of stereotype shit that I deal with all the time in this industry, but I don't complain. What the fuck is complaining going to do? doesn't get you anything. It doesn't get me shit. So I'm not going to complain and be like, oh, because I'm black, blah, blah, or I'm Hispanic, blah, blah. No, 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 no. That's not going to stop me. I'm just going to keep working harder and working harder. So then when I, when I do get whatever I'm doing or reach that goal that I'm getting to, I use that as motivation. Mm. You know, so... So it's, it's just, it's just, there's, there's a lot of things that, that make me who I am and, you know, like all these stuff has happened. So, so when I was, so when I was 16, 17, I started making beats and I was doing this shit and, and I was in high school and I, and I was backed up uh, a year because I, 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 cause of, cause of speech, cause it, cause I didn't know any English. And then I stayed back another year in middle school because I was just like not fucking doing anything in school. And my mom got really down. My whole family got upset. So then then by the time I was in high school, I was almost 17 and I was like back and I wasn't going to graduate till I was 21. Yeah. So I was like, fuck. And I was playing football and football was, was going really good for me, but I was like short. So I knew that wasn't ever going to be a real thing. <laughs> I feel you. I feel so, you on that. <laughs> so I was like, all right. So I'm there in high school. I'm like about to be 18. They said, I'm not going to graduate till I'm 21. I was like, all right, I'm going to have to drop out. I need to mm. do this music thing. Dropped out, went out to L.A., for 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 a couple of weeks got an online ged test my mom's like are you fucking serious like this is not like i'm not gonna accept this so then i moved back to maryland <laughs> moved back to maryland to get my to get like my life together finish school finish high school um and then i was i think like 19 or 20 by that time and then after that i i moved back to la i got a publishing check um i did a publishing deal for i had a song that i produced for ASAP Rocky and Theophilus London, which was Big Spender, which now is randomly really uh, a popular sound on TikTok, but it's a remake of my beat, which is weird. Um, but yeah, so I got a, a publishing check for wait, fifteen thousand dollars. Wait, can I can I can song. I can I bump in there? How do you go from you from being at school to then writing a record for ASAP Rocky? Because at at that point, I was at that point, I was like making a bunch of hip-hop beats i was just okay. making hip-hop beats I was, yeah. that's, that's what i was i was a hip-hop producer and i was making hip-hop beats and i was i was in a like you don't understand how many fucking hours i spent on my space messaging people messaging artists listening to artists because i was in frederick maryland bro like yeah. this you don't understand frederick maryland is like where i'm like I, at walkersville maryland i was like 10 minutes away from camp david like yeah, i'm yeah. in the boonies yeah, yeah all i was only surrounded by white rednecks <laughs> hicks you know, like real, like they all look like you, real rednecks, you know, <laughs> huge beard, dirty, go to school. They working on farms every day. There was not that many black kids in my school. Yeah. Like I was like, I had nothing else to do, you know, so then to like work on music and every, everybody else was on drugs back then and shit, yeah. and pills. 
And I wasn't really into any of that stuff. Mm-hmm. So um, opiates, not ecstasy, like opiates, like yeah. Xanax and fucking, you know, oxys. Um, so all these kids were like on that. And and basically I was in the middle of nowhere. So I was just like working on music and I was just like on my space looking at all these people who was popping and trying to just like doing my research and shit. And then I was cool with the office London somehow through Facebook or MySpace, I forgot. And I sent him a beat. He was like, yo, I'm gonna get ASAP Rocky on this. Yeah. And that was like one of the biggest things. Like, oh, I was like, oh my God, this can actually work for me in my yeah, life, yeah. you know? Totally. So I did that and he got on the record and it was like a popping record online. That's when mm. it was only blogs and shit back in the day, you know? Yeah, like yeah, totally. So like so that happened and I was like, cool. That kind of helped me to motivate me to fucking go and do more. Stuff. And then my managers at that point luckily got me a publishing check mm. for fifteen thousand dollars. I ended up I ended up using that. I ended up using that just to move to LA. Yeah. I paid six months off. I paid six months off and then had the other six K to live. Yeah. Fast forward eight months later, I'm dead broke. <laughs> I ran through the money. I have the house. My managers start paying for my rent for a couple months. Which, which I'm then owing them all this money that they had to, they were paying me, not knowing that's stuff that you don't know now. You know, yeah, like yeah, I, yeah. I got this invoice yeah. months later and I'm like, what? I'm like, <laughs> I'm like, I'm like getting, I'm like starting to do like whatever. So, so, you know, then I moved that and then, then we all, then I, I discovered this artist at that time, super duper Kyle, which is this big guy, Kyle. He had this song called I Spy huge artist i discovered him i discovered a bunch of artists at that point um geezy before mm. um a bunch of people and, I, and i'm and i'm living and my managers you know they didn't want to be paying for all of these people so they all put us into this one house in san pedro which is skid row in la yeah so i'm living in the worst part of la downtown yeah. la um with a couple of the artists and and that's when i was at my lowest i was i was surviving on 100 bucks i wasn't really talking to my family that much um i had my apart i had i had a bed a mattress on the floor and my computer mm. and my rockets my KRKs. and i was just literally in the studio every day 16 hours a day then i would come back to skid row down the street a block the studio was a block up and then you know how in la literally it could be like yeah. skid row hell and then literally a, a block away it could be like a nice building it's yeah. just weird um so the studio i was working every day 16 hours a day working 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 then i would come home um, I would go to the studio around 12 p.m., stay there till like 2 a.m. in the morning. Um, and I would be working, go back to my skid row, whether it would be crackheads or prostitutes in the front, like just shit and um, cockroaches on the ground. And just that's another part where just me, I'm going back to living in, in shambles, exactly. you know? Yeah, um, yeah. Um, but that was kind of one of my lowest, you know? I, I never lived in, I didn't want it growing up, you know, in Maryland, I wasn't like, living i don't want my mom to hear this and be like oh you were you know what I'm saying? it wasn't like i was fucking living in the slums my entire life you know but you know we were living super super modest you know in one townhouse you know yeah, and like yeah. with like six seven people in the house you yeah, know working we're class hispanic, so we, Work, working we class stack people yeah, up. yeah, yeah. You know, hispanic people we stack people up in a house you know yeah yeah so you know whatever but then that was when i was really living on my on my own you know yeah. I, I was eating subway every day eating chinese food every day five dollar plates mm. pollo pollo loco um, you know, and just, and just kind of living it like that. I was living and I was eating, you know, fucking eating ramen noodles and eating Subway and anything, you know, for like, for the time I was living off 200 bucks for a year, two years. And that's when, 
that's when I started making more EDM stuff and I was mm. making more. I mean, but you know, you, it goes back a couple of years because, um, when I was in Maryland and I was like at home and then I dropped out and I was like, just like working on music, trying to get my life right. That's when I got into hard style. Yeah. And I got into hard style because of, you know, these, like I had a homie who used to play me above and beyond a lot. And I fell in love with above and beyond yeah. and I fell in love with trance and I fell in love with hard style. And, and I remember there was like, they had like these hard style Melbourne shuffle videos that were really popular on YouTube back in the day. And it used to be like this compilation and it'd be all these like hard style songs, these big melodies. And I used to really fucking love melodies. I was really big on melodic to this day. I'm very melodic. Every song that I've had has been very melodic. Um, and, and I got into like, and I, and I, and I had this passion, this love for hard style and trance um above and beyond and on a good day one of the best songs i've ever heard and i was getting this 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 emotion from and all my friends were like drinking and stuff and listening to this music and i was dead sober so i was listening to this music and it was giving me this effect and i was like wow i really like this music mm. and also at the same time i was really loving rap music and stuff yeah. you know so so fast forward i'm like i around around when i was like maybe 2011 2012 i was um i had been discovered by I had been discovered by Niles, who was in this group called the Cataracts. Yeah. Which now you guys know this guy as Cashmere. Yeah. So Cashmere is the guy who really discovered me and brought me into LA. Okay. This is 2011. Yeah. Bro. So 2011, he was really fucking with my beats and really fucking with my music. And he brought me in and I started there. I was I was his sidekick, yeah. was helping him out on music, helping him out. This is production god Cashmere, we all know. Yeah, right. Yeah. <laughs> So, so this, the, so I was there next to him watching the cataracts, cataracts become the biggest pop group in that time. They had mm. like a G6, yeah, they had bass down low, all these classics. And I was there and I was seeing everything happen in front of my eyes and how the industry was and blah, blah, blah. And, and, you know, I was helping him out on production and stuff, helping him out with tracks on their album. Because mm. I've always been heavy, I've just always been a heavy producer thing. You know, I always, it always, it, it always does upset me a little bit when people like even say anything about me, like not even producing or ghost producing. Like that's where I come from. Like I'll yeah. put me in a room with somebody, I'll, I'll fucking go, I'll go in. You know yeah. what I'm saying? But because of my character, my personality grew so big that it kind of, guys like me, are kind of looked at like we don't produce our stuff yeah, because we're just so, you know what I'm saying? And I'm also, I'm also not one of those guys that I'm not going to stand. You know, it's rare for you to see going on any of my socials or anything where I'm like showing me making a beat or something like that. Cause mm. I just don't need to prove myself. Yeah. yeah. You know, like kind of like that, that I'm like a, a producer and blah, blah. And I'm also, I also taught myself everything. So if you put me and you ask me questions, I'm not going to know what the fuck this button does or this. I just know that it does it. You know yeah, what I'm saying? I'm yeah. not, gonna, I'm not one of yeah. these super nerdy kids, as yeah. I said earlier. Um, but I've done everything. I learned everything. and I taught everything myself with YouTube tutorials as, as we all do, you know? Um, but whatever, I start making uh cat, the Nile, the cataracts are, they start making more like, they were always making kind of like futuristic dancey pop stuff. So whatever. So around that time is when, one came out, Swedish House mm. Mafia, and all these big EDM songs started coming out. And then me and Niles became so infatuated with it. And we would just like listen to it, but he was making his pop stuff. So I had time to really dive into that yeah. stuff. And I was making like these like big, like I was listening to like Nicky Romero back then and David Guetta and um, 
you know, Afrojack and, and, and Swedish House Mafia. And this one time that all that, that bubble was exploding. Yeah. Cause you remember, I, I, I remember I'm not coming from dance music. I'm not uh, coming from yeah, listening yeah. to all my life. This, I'm new to this. Yeah. So that, that stuff got started going off and I started really diving in deep, diving in deep. Tom, Tomas Barfad. Do mm-hmm. you know who Tomas Barfad is? No. From, do you know who made who? Yes. Okay. So who made who? The, uh, one of the guys on who made who is Tomas Borfad, who is uh, one of okay. the producers and blah, blah, the bald one. Yeah. Yeah. That makes sense. He was working out of that studio in LA every day too. This is 10 years ago. Yeah. You can ask Tomas, ask anyone. He used to see me in that studio 14, 16 hours a day, working, 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 working on music. Me and Tomas linked up a couple, a uh, couple years later, we, I released my song November skies. Mm. Um, I'm skipping a big part, but November Skies, I just go back because Tomas Barfad, me and him, that was a record that he had. I flipped into his drum and bass record. I was making drum and bass in yeah. 2012, 2013. Wow. So th- there's a lot of shit that I could back up that I was doing that people, I don't ever have the time because I don't really sit here and try to prove everyone like, this is what I did. I did this. I did this. I was doing this before. You know what I'm saying? Like, yeah. I'm not that type of guy. You don't, but, you, I think you know, also well, you don't need to realistically. I, like at the end of the day, you're you're doing what you're doing. You, you don't need to like prove you prove yourself to anybody. Um, yeah, exactly. And so, yeah, I don't. So 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 um so yeah so so whatever. So Tomas Borfad was in the studio with me at that time. Um, he was making indie house stuff, and I didn't really get it at that time. Mm. Um, but but whatever. Fast forward, I'm I'm doing doing shit and i'm and i'm trying to get music going blah blah and then after that at that time is when um after that time is when um edm trap started coming out yeah and people like tonight and um diplo was doing stuff like that and flashadamas and bauer and that whole Mm. bauer movement started happening and i was listening to that shit and i was like yo i was like that's exactly what I'm doing, basically, but just structured yeah, these yeah. big, these big 808s and and this stuff. And I was like, yo, like, what? I was like really confused. Like, all this stuff is just like EDM trap, right? Mm. Then I started making these like these like big trap songs. But then if you if anyone goes back to if anyone goes back to um YouTube. You can go look at this thing called El Teke Teke, which was one of like my first like ever trap songs. And we, I remember we got it on Karma Loop. They released it and whatever. And I was like, okay, this is cool. And then I'm still in the studio trying to figure out what the fuck I'm doing. I'm making rap beats. I'm like LA. I'm like having sessions with like rappers and writers. Nothing's happening. I'm like a pop producer at that point, making rap beats and making EDM-ish pop song. And basically I'm like there. And then, you know, this is around the time that, like, um, I remember I went to a Luminox show and it was like in LA at Los Globos, and I wanted to go see what like this trap thing was about. And I went and it, it blew my mind. I was like, what is this? Oh, this is crazy. Um, and then and then I came home, and that's when like Hardwell Spaceman had already been out. This is an era when like EDM gold, you know, yeah, like this yeah. when like ultra, these massive songs were coming out at oh, you seeing Ultra Festival, and it was just crazy. And then Spaceman came out and I was like, let me flip this. Mm. 
and I and I and I flipped it, and I was like, and I and I and I remixed it. I EQ'd the I EQ'd the main sound. I was basically just making bootlegs at that point. Yeah, I would just take I would just speed up the song from one twenty eight to one forty. <laughs> I would take the lows out. I would sidechain it, and I would put trap drums over it. Yeah, and then also, and then I think one of the main the, the main things that happened was everybody was making these remixes, and then I made it, and then I labeled it carnage festival trap music yeah. because festivals like that was a good thing i wanted to do i wanted to play festivals and this is like a festival remix yeah, of yeah. this trap that was already kind of already going on and then because i named it that and i put it up on soundcloud and it went viral yeah and this is 2012 2013 mm-hmm. check go check when it uh, uploaded on my soundcloud 2012 i think and uh and I started releasing a festival trap remix every Monday. Mm. And I'm talking about this is this is SoundCloud at its prime yeah. when I was getting a hundred thousand plays a day. Yeah, that SoundCloud so then that's was special. crazy. Yeah. That's crazy numbers for SoundCloud at that yeah. time. Hundred thousand, how hundred thousand plays. I was getting a million plays a week. Yeah. On SoundCloud. That's crazy. And and I invented this whole I invented this genre that was called festival trap. Yeah. And then it just started going absolutely bananas. And I got, at that point, I got really close with one DJ. His name was Borgor. Mm-hmm. And Borgor really fucked with my sound. Yeah. Heavy. And he he opened up. And at that time, I wasn't DJing then. Remember, I was mm-hmm. just producing. Yeah. And I, was, and I was having these remixes that were going viral. They were crushing. And basically... It was going insane, and then and and Borgor goes, "Hey, you want to open up my tour?" Mm. And I'm like, "I don't even know how to DJ," <laughs> but I didn't say that. Obviously, I'm like, "Yeah, fuck yeah, I'll open up the fucking tour." And I and I and I locked myself in the studio with the S4 tractor, and I taught myself how to DJ. Yeah, um, and I was using the tractor, and I, and I turned out, and I opened up his tour with Document One, him, and. Uh, some other, I'm, I'm blank right now, but Borgo was the first guy to open his arms up mm. and let me in. Um, and I started doing this. I started doing show and I was getting really upset because I have that personality where I'm like a winner. Yeah. Yeah. I need to, I need to, you know, I need to win and I'm opening up this tour. There's no one really there when I'm playing. Yeah. There's like, and then I'm, and then I'm seeing Borgor play and everyone's there loving him. And I'm like, fuck, I'm like, I want that. I need yeah. that. You know, like I, I, you know, so, so here I am fucking, um, trying to, you know, I, I, I if you could go back one day, I'm going to go find, I, I sent this big email to my manager was hella sad, like three o'clock in the morning on a tour bus. Like, like I need to, you know, I, I like, I want to do my own tour and blah, blah. And then me and Borgo, when we were close together. We make, uh, we make my song, we make a song called incredible mm-hmm. and after a while, I was making the trap stuff and I was doing shows. I started doing shows. I was getting $1,500 a show, yeah, $3,000 a show. And and I was making $5,000 a show. I started yeah. going up. Remember, and I'm still having to pay back my managers for all the money they put in. Right, I'm like 25K deep in, in, like, <laughs> in what I owe them. So like all this money I'm making, I'm finally making money. And like I'm actually at zero yeah. the entire time. Right? <laughs> I'm, just like, I'm just like, this is just completely whack and I'm getting depressed. And, and then, and then I'm like, and then I'm like, sell, I'm like selling, I'm, I'm like doing shows and then I'm like doing shows, shows, shows I'm doing these and I'm like getting tired because I'm like 
befriending when I'm doing all these big trap remix festival trap remixes, I'm befriending these guys like Tiesto and Hardwell mm. and all these big EDM guys. And I'm like, you know, cool with them. And they're kind of like befriending me because I'm like the token black EDM kid yeah, at that yeah. time, you know, that was like kind of like <laughs> friends with all these other guys, you know? Yeah. And 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 uh and and then I'm like, and then I'm like seeing and like and I'm just like, yo, I want to be playing like these bigger clubs. And I'm playing like these, like, I'm playing like these like bass shows mm. and like these like small little shows, you know, and I'm selling them all out because I'm hot. I'm yeah. scorching at that time. That's when Carnage became, Carnage. that's when Carnage was, you know, I was, a, I was becoming the golden boy, yeah, yeah, you know, because then, because then it really switched overnight for me. Mm. Um, but and then I'm doing all these, sh- I'm doing, I'm doing these shows and I'm kind of getting sad. I'm talking to my agent. I'm like, yo, I want to do bigger shows. I want to get more money. Yeah. Like, you know, like, what do we need to do? And he's like, you know. And I'm like, you know, and, and that's, and remember, I'm still make. I've always was making house music and yeah. progressive house and trance here, there wasn't really good at it, but I'm like, yo, he's like, you know, well, do you, do, the only way you're really going to make money and stuff is if you go and play at these like bottle clubs and yeah. stuff. And, and then at that time is when trap was, you know, at its biggest, but I was in my own lane because I had created my own genre, this mm. own type. And there was a bunch of artists that were making, you know, slander yeah. and boom boss cartel. A lot of these guys, like started making you know was looking up to my music going up going when i when i made the scene and it definitely um inspired them to do their own stuff that they were making trap music you know yeah and because but my stuff was more back then the trap the regular trap was very just you know it was just like small break big drop double Mm -hmm. the drop and it was just like it wasn't like i structured mine was like edm big boom a big structure a huge build and this big fucking lead with the fucking 808s and whatever it was a different it was a different yeah. type of trap you know yeah, yeah so so i was in my own lane and the reason why also my trap thing started working a lot with the clubs is because i was remixing these big edm songs and yeah. there's these big breaks and it was like you know it was just two different worlds and mm. different types of trap music um and then whatever i'm like i'm like yo i need i'm like getting tired i'm like at that point i'm getting kind of tired of trap music yeah and I'm just like, I'm like wanting to evolve and I'm making a lot of, that's when Big Room was big. Yeah. And I was making Big Room music, Big Room type house music. And one day me and Borgor make the song called Incredible. Yeah. And at that point, let's talk, we're talking, let's talk, we're talking poly, like how this, this industry is, right? So, so I make the, we make this song and it's like this crazy song, dun, 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 dun. it's this big and we and we hit up spinning, which spinning was the goats back then at that yeah, time, you know. The ones. And then we're like, we're like, all right, we're like getting spinning, spinning's like, we want to sign it. And I'm like, oh my God, this is crazy. This is one of the biggest things ever, right? I'm like, spinning wants to sign it. Spin is gonna sign it. And Borgor at that time was a little scared because mm. it was a house record. And he's yeah. like, this is when before decisions, his Miley Cyrus song, this is when mm. like Borgor is at his real peak of like gore step and like, yeah, yeah. you know, and He's like, he's like, you know what? Because just because it's a little different from my sound, I'm gonna let you go first. So it's Carnage and Borgor. Yeah, right. We already know the, the the politics of naming what name goes first and what goes name second. That's the stuff people don't really know about, yeah. right? So, so I'm this is gonna be my I'm, I'm this is Carnage and Borgor. Yeah, incredible. And this is huge for me. The song comes out, does okay. But what really changed everything for me was one day, I remember I'm living in Skid Row. I have a mattress on the ground. My KRKs, I wake up. I used to wake up around that time and I was talking to Mark Garrix every day. He was 14. Yeah. I used to, I, I'm an A&R. That's like my thing, my ear. I can find good music. I can find 
new artists, good artists who are about to pop. Mm. And I remember, I remember he came out with this song with Julian Jordan called B-Fam. And I was like, yo, this kid, fucking 14 years old, like playing in a fucking privileged Ibiza. I'm like, what the fuck is going on? Like this kid, I'm listening to this kid, blah, blah. Um, but you know, one morning I wake up and I check and I see, I don't know if it was 1001 track listing or, or something. And I see a video of Avicii playing incredible mm. in the armory in DC. And he plays it. And I'm like, oh my fucking God. I'm like, this is like, I should keep doing this, right? Yeah. Boom. As soon as Avicii starts playing it, then I'm on Club Life. Boom. Then he puts it on, uh, he puts it on Vichy's show. Mm. And he's like, this is Carnage and Borgor, incredible. And I'm like, oh my fucking God. And I said, I need to stop doing trap music and I need to focus on making Eat Big Room yeah. House. But then I stopped making trap music. Bookings stop because I say no to every booking. I'm getting around $5,000, $6,000 a show. Yeah. I tell my agent, which at that time he was like, you're crazy. I'm like, I don't, I don't, I'm like, I don't want to do any more trap shows. I don't want to do any more trap shows. I want to do VIP. I want to do club rooms. I want to do big festivals. I want to be on the main stage. Yeah. I don't want to be on the thing. By that time, I hadn't been on any festivals yet. So then I'm like, okay, cool. I'm like, I want to start making stuff. So I start making this stuff. I start getting a song signed on, on, um, on, on spinning. Um, I do one with Dim Mac with Tony Jr., which was a record. Um, that's Steve Aoki. Um, Steve Aoki was another one that really opened his arms. A track was one of the one that opened them. Those are the three guys that really opened their arms to me and yeah. gave me a taste of everything. Um, but I, the Steve Aoki thing I skipped, but, um, before that, you know, I, I, I was making this, I was making this big room stuff and I was going and playing. I had a couple shows and everyone knew me for trap music. Mm. And I remember at one time I was playing Edmonton and at one point everyone was yelling trap, trap, trap. Cause I was playing no trap. Oh, really? I was playing big room the entire time yeah. and people were like, play trap, play trap. And at one point I remember I tweeted trap is dead or something. Then I remember like a lot of people got upset at me because, <laughs> you know, people are living off the trap music <laughs> yeah. and live, that's their life. And, you know, I remember being Dylan Francis had like a, a small fallout because he was like, yo, like that wasn't cool. You said trap is dead and everyone's making trap. And I'm like, fuck trap at that time. <laughs> and, 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 you know, and I kind of just like abandoned trap music. Mm. Um, and I started focusing on big room stuff because that was the stuff that was getting me. And I started getting like club bookings yeah. because I was playing only house music and big room music. Mm. And then everything just started going absolutely fucking insane for me because then everyone started supporting me. And then I remember I played Ultra for the first time and I played 2 p.m. on the radio stage. And I that was one of the big moments, too, when I went there, played 2 p.m. It was my first festival stage. And I was like, all right, cool. And I go there and it was completely empty. Mm. Gladiator was playing before me. It was completely empty. And I got there and my heart sank and I was like, it's over. It's the worst I swear feeling. to God, for you, bro. It's the worst feeling. Three minutes, three minutes happen. And I had that stage, the most filled it's ever been in oh, Ultra wow. history. That's crazy. Adam from Ultra, the owners, everyone flocked there because everyone's like, what the fuck is going on? Yeah. And that's when it got real for me. Mm. And that's when, boom, I started getting on all these festivals, festivals, festivals. But I was getting on the main stage yeah. because I was playing house music. And I was playing Big Room. Yeah. I was playing EDM. 
And boom, that's when I started this change when all these people were making trap and I was only making house. Ask any of these trap DJs. Yeah. I switched over and I started making house music. I started making eat big room and this big stage. And I started getting on all the main stages. I was getting at 3 p.m., 4 p.m., 5 p.m. And boom, boom, boom. I was releasing song after song after song. And I dropped. And then at that time, when everything was going great, I dropped all of my biggest songs around those years, 2013, 2014, 2015, which were all rap songs. Mm. So this is when the whole, there's so many different things that go on in my life in in Korean carnage, you know? All of my, a lot of my biggest songs were rap songs. Yeah. But I'm this EDM trap that was playing big room house music. I had big room, big room house songs, big, songs incredible i had toka i had songs that has 50 million plus views with timmy trumpet and cashmere but i'm also having songs like what do you want yeah with uzi which i discovered uzi Lil uzi which is now one of the biggest rappers i was the first one to really throw him throw him that bone i love maconia I like bricks with the migos before mm. they were big i had all these songs that were huge yeah but then i'm still playing big room house music at these shows but I'm known for my trap music. So then these, all these little things are going on and all these songs that I'm dropping are fucking, are, are, are going crazy. I dropped November Skies, which was a drum and bass record at that time. Mm. And I dropped my first album and it went number one. Um, and then that was kind of the beginning of how Carnage got to where I'm at. And then yeah. after that, then, then all those changes started happening where I went from big room, big room music to hard big room. Yeah which I was making hard big room with the crazy sounds mm. like boots house and, and, and break the fucking walls down with junkie kid. Yeah. I was making these like, cause I was like, all right, I, I still yearned harder stuff. You know, I wanted harder stuff. Yeah. So then I started making big room, hard music. And then when everyone started making more big room, hard music, and I was on these main stages, I would, I had already played the main stage at ultra. I had played, I got fucking Coachella, Sahara tent, 7 p.m. Yeah. I, I, at that point, I'd played every fucking main stage in the entire world because I made those changes. Yeah, yeah. I've done it all. Yeah. You know, I've done a lot of these things and, and I did them all by myself. I didn't have anyone. I, I wasn't really anyone's real, you know, I didn't really have Skrillex or Diplo where it was like, yo, you know, I'm Matt Decent. I'm a Dimac guy and blah, blah. Like this is, I never did that. I always had it because I didn't want, I didn't want to depend on anyone ever in my life. So, I'm playing all these fucking festivals. I'm dropping all these big songs and I started get I start getting tired of big room. Yeah. So then I'm like, okay, I need to go back into what I really love. And I started playing hard style. Yeah. I started playing hard style and I start playing hard style at the main stages. And I remember having a conversation with Hardwell one time we're at the airport and Hardwell's like, you know, I'm, we're headed to Mex- EDC Mexico. And he's like, yo, I'm loving how you're playing all this hard stuff. stuff. Especially all the Dutch guys and all European guys are seeing this black fat american kid who plays <laughs> trap music be on the main stage next to these guys where there's no other other colored person on the main stage yeah. it's just all these white guys tiestos wws and show techs and yeah. all these guys and here's this one black guy playing the main stage and i'm playing hard style where they grew up in yeah. holland and they grew up listening to stuff and they're like what the fuck is going on <laughs> i'm playing hard style then from hard style i move over and i'm getting tired of hard style and everyone's oh but hardwell's like yo I'm about to play EDC Mexico. And they told me I can't play any hard style because it's too aggressive on the main stage. They want me to play big, but I'm kind of jealous that you're playing hard style, blah, blah. It's kind of like a, like a, you know, a, a joke between us. 
And then I start getting tired. I, I start getting tired of hard side. I need something different. Mm. And then I, um, and then I make Sire die with Timmy Trumpet. Yeah. And then I move over to Psytrance when no one else is making Psytrance. No one else is playing Psytrance. I didn't know you did the Psytrance move. I didn't know that. Bro, Sire Die was one of the biggest things because when me and Timmy Trumpet dropped Sire Die on all the blogs, everyone was like, what the fuck is going on? Mm. This guy, blah, blah. Sire Die goes number one. It crushes. Armin Van Buren plays at the main stage Tomorrowland. Another another sign that I I should do this. And then we start playing Psytrance. And then after that, what happens all the time? Everyone starts playing Psytrance. Yeah, of course. Like, there are so many things that I led on on the involvement and the change of all this stuff that people don't really give me credit for sometimes because I'm just not also that type of guy that's like, no, I did this first. I did this first. But a lot of the times, like, people really made those changes because I was the one that made those changes. Yeah, yeah. You know? So, Psytrance happened. Go research that. Research when that came out. Mm. Obviously, Psytrance movement, that whole scene. But I'm talking about guys in my platform on the main stage at all these biggest festivals. No one's playing Psytrance. Yeah, yeah. I started playing Psytrance. And then, all, and then, and then before then, my bad, I had dropped something that is interesting to you. This conversation is before then, I had dropped this song with Eric Merlo okay. called Let the Freak Out, yeah. which was a tech house song. Yeah, yeah. This is in 2016, 2015. I dropped this song. Eric Murillo gave me the chance. He fucked with me, rocked with me personally, and we got, we became really close. And he was, and I was like, yo, I was like, let's make a record together. Mm. We made Let the Freak Out which is a house record. This is the first real sign of Gordo. Yeah, yeah. Go back to it. I've been doing it. This is not just me just hopping on the bandwagon. I've been doing this shit. Yeah. I've taken risks so many, after time, after time, after time, years ago, and I dropped, we dropped Let the Freak Out. Nobody really gave a fuck because it was just a record I just dropped and I just wanted to do it. Just yeah, do it. yeah, just do it. We dropped Let the Freak Out. And that's when I started going to Biza more. You know, I'm at the top of the world at that yeah, time. of course. You know, yeah. I'm crushing it. I'm 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 making I'm making eight to ten million a year. You know this is this, and the, and and these are things people don't really talk about numbers, but I need we need to let the people know this yeah, is course. like this is real. Yeah, you know, yeah. like I was making dummy bread. Yeah, I was I was shitting on a lot of my colleagues from all these changes that I was making. I was fucking on a on a on a crazy level. Mm. You know, um, and it and 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 it just happened over and it was happening boom boom and everything was going crazy. And remember, we we were starting at we were starting when I was making that change from six seven thousand dollars to making one hundred and fifty two hundred thousand dollars a show. Yeah, well, like I really did this, and I and, and, and that also you know helps my confidence is because I really did this all by my fucking self, bro. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. You know, so thank God that th- this happened. But then you remember we also got to remember that hundred and fifty thousand dollars show compared to my other colleagues like Tiesto and Martin Garrix isn't shit. It's you know what I'm saying? Yeah, yeah. And that's like <laughs> what people forget. You know, people. You know, that's the corporate side of it. Like, you know, you start working and whenever you know you get a job, you get a raise, you always want another raise. You know, oh, of course. Normal life. You know? I, I I think it's also a, a huge thing. I can massively relate to this. Is that nothing's ever enough in this industry. Um, and I think that's actually more so based on what we do for a living is like we achieve one thing and then it's what's next. It's not let's enjoy it now. It's like, what's next? How do we, how do we grow from here? Because we know that we can't stay at stand where we're at for the rest of our lives. We have to keep progressing because there's going to be another kid coming up behind your ass that's, that wants your job. And if you don't change what you do and you don't evolve, you're fucked. 100% and and it's and it's it's 
you know, it's the business side of it. Right. right. Um, but yeah, so bro, like shit started going insane for me and, and everything's going crazy for me. And then that's how we got to that point where, you know, I've had my ups and downs. A lot of people, people I've dealt with a lot of shit where a lot of people try to like fuck me over and stuff because I was, remember I was by myself. Yeah. So I didn't really have anyone to lean on if something bad happened and I could have someone leverage me for something. Yeah. I was the top head dog at my agency at circle, which was Steve Gordon, who now runs UTA. Yeah. Um, I was his bulldog, yeah, yeah. you know, he had a lot of people that didn't fuck with him. I had a lot of people that didn't fuck with me because of how fucking confident it was, how loud I was, my personality, mm. like, you know, and, and at that time, I'm not going to lie to you. I was fucking 23, 24 years old. I'm at the top of the world. I'm making millions of dollars. I'm yeah. living it. Of course I was cocky here or there. I'm not going to lie to you. You know, course, yeah. I've definitely pissed off a couple people, you know, but this comes from also coming from a place where I had no money. Yeah, you know, I had, I had, I had no money. I'm coming from this place, so of course it happens to everyone. But you know, there was times where I was going against people that were going against people that were like, you know, me to my advantage for bookings or billings or whatever. And I had no problem saying, "Fuck you, don't you're not going to do this to me." Yeah, you know, I remember I had an incident with Gary Richards, which we used to run hard. I have no problem. We all cool now. But at a time where, like, you know, he did some, he did some shit that pissed me off and, and and it was just the way that he acted about everything this is kind of the first time i'm ever talking about this mm. in public but like you know he did some shit that 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 was fucked up and at that time i wasn't gonna let someone just like like walk over me like that yeah so i you know i lost and i snapped and i said fuck gary richards at his festival that i'm headlining <laughs> you know because it was just like it was just like he was also you know it was just it was just some fuckboy shit and i personally didn't like it you know so and, and if you go to it, because there's been so many incidents that built carnage and this and this narrative around yeah, who I yeah. am, because you know, because you know that, because then uh, people were just like, you know, gets on the mic and and his owner, the guy who owns the festival, just says "fuck you," you know what I'm saying? It just it makes it look like I'm insane or like some complete <laughs> douchebag, but it was really because he had done some shit behind the scenes, and you know, and and it wasn't cool, and he apologized for it. Yeah. So you know, so then and then it was just like hella shit was going on. It was just all bad, and I just like. I and then the CDJs were cutting out and everyone on stage was acting really weird with me. And I just, I lost it. I was just like, <laughs> fuck this festival. Fuck Gary Richards. Fuck all this shit, you know? And that was just me being young too, you know? Yeah. Like, that, I, you know, I was growing. But, you know, shout out to Destructo. He's done so much. Um, But, you know, like, it was just, there was shit like that that happened that, that built who I was. And, you know, I learned from stuff. And, you know, um, yeah, it was just, it was, it's, there's been so much has happened that has evolved me. And I've been through so much up and down. I've, mm. I've went through agents. I've went through managers. Those managers that I was with fucking, I, I fucking were fucking me over the entire time. Mm. I didn't know. And then I finally found out. I fired them. I had to owe them so much fucking money. It's just so much shit that's went on that's built me. And I'm so happy. And I wouldn't change any, yeah. any of it because it's, it's made me who I am and it's matured me. And a lot of people, if you meet a lot of people, that know me, they could all tell you that everyone's so proud of how much I've matured. And, yeah. you know, I used to be a, I used to be a fucking a, a loose cannon sometimes, yeah, yeah. but you know, I've matured and I'm so much more relaxed and, and I've grown up in the music and all my tastes and everything. And hey, yeah, my life, my life has been, has been up and down and I'll soon put out a book or something with some really juicy stuff in there. Um, <laughs> I am. Um, but uh, I, I, yeah, bro. Like, and you know, I, I know all these guys, bro, yeah. all these agents, all these owners, all these festival guys, all these promoters, every city. Like I knew these people and I want to know these people because, you know, that comes down to, 
future stuff with Taraka. Like I know these guys mm-hmm. and I know the politics and I know this shit, you know, and I'm very clear with everyone. I'm very honest. So no one ever can say, Oh, this, this, or I talked to your manager, blah, 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 blah. No, talk to me directly. Yeah, yeah. I know it's all love. It's all good. And, and let's keep it pushing. No, I, I, I respect that. And I think also what you say is the, how much you go through and things like that as an artist is a lot of people are coming into the industry and think it's direct success. And and it didn't, it didn't help because when I was doing all this stuff and I was grinding my ass off and blah, blah, um, it didn't help when all at that time when EDM was big and all these people were coming in with money yeah. and they're basically getting ghost produced yeah. and they're releasing these records and having these big songs come out. It didn't help because I was such a loud character yeah. and such a loud personality that I got thrown into that group of those people were kind of just, you know, yeah. in it for the money. Yeah. Doesn't probably produce his own shit, blah, blah, because I was so such a character. Yeah. And before then, there wasn't really any characters like that. Mm. That's and but that's what made me so successful was that I was when you think of Carnage, you know the fuck Carnage is. Yeah, of course. I can name you 10 other guys, and you could be like, I don't really yeah. know what he looks like, but I've heard his music. Yeah, yeah. It's you a know, huge thing. So- We're in the public eye. And realistically what you've done is you've created a persona around yourself which is actually you and you yeah. can't you can't learn that you can't teach that to somebody you're just you are no, that, no, you, can't. you are that that's person. how you're born yeah exactly um so we we're going from carnage how did we get to gordo what was the, what was the whole process behind the whole gordo kind of situation gordo has been going on since the eric Murillo thing yeah um and i uh I put out that song um, and then I'm going to Ibiza. Mm. I'm going there. I'm partying. I'm seeing that in real life. But at that time, remember, I was I was playing Ibiza too, but I was playing as Carnage. I was playing Amnesia, yeah. Ushuaia. I was playing, you know, regular Carnage. Yeah. Avicii had put on his final shows at Ushuaia. And um, I'm like doing all this stuff. And I'm just like, I've always had a thing for house music. Mm. If you go back, if you ask some locals in Miami, Miami being one of the biggest cities um, the, the, for fans for me in the world. Yeah. Um, I remember one time I was completely fried out mm. <laughs> and I ended up at heart. Yeah. Heart was this club next to space mm. and Eric Merlo is playing. I'm, I don't fucking remember, but it's, it, there's photos of it. <laughs> 2016, 17, I'm wearing fucking jewelry. I have my iced out watch. I have these crazy glasses on. I am in, I am, I am, I am in, I am in, uh, heart and and Eric Merlo allows me to go back to back with him Mm. completely fried out. And I played for about 30, 40 minutes. Yeah. Crushed it. Right. Supposedly is what everyone says. (laughs) Crushed it. And that was one of the first times that I got played that I got it back to back. And that was, that was when, I mean, that the fact that Eric let me go up there and play with him was insane because now that I, now that I'm into this now as Gordo, the politics of letting another DJ play back to back in the underground world is a whole nother, whole nother story. Especially nother story. like no disrespect, especially carnage. Coming into America, coming to, and I don't mean that in a disrespectful way, but like, you're, no, it's honest. Yeah, it's, it's truth. Yeah, you're Eric Murillo, like Eric Murillo yeah. letting Carnage go back to back with him. Yeah, is fucking insane. Yeah. 
so this has been brewing. I, I, I've always loved house music, but I didn't mm. get it. I didn't fully get it. I, yeah. I'm, I'm getting to the point where last year I finally got it. Yeah. We're talking 2021. Mm-hmm. This is 2016. Yeah. No, no, my bad. My bad. This is 2017 or 15. It's either one of those. Okay. Um, or maybe be 15. I don't know. Um, but yeah, I'm playing, bro. I'm, I'm playing. I'm, I'm, I'm like, I'm like, I'm lucky. I'm liking house music more. I'm going, I'm seeing, you know, all these house DJs, blah, blah. And this techno. And I'm just like, this is really cool. I really like this. And then when that break, I told you, and I went to Thailand, yeah. that was when I started making a lot of houseier songs for yeah. carnage, letting people go. Yeah. Um, which is one of my biggest changes. Um, that was kind of when I was like, all right, fuck it. I'm going to make this. I started making this house music. And around those three years, from 2018 to 2021, that was just the real change for Gordo. Mm. It wasn't Gordo then. Gordo just came yeah. last year, the name. Um, I was, I was, you know, like, like um, doing this stuff and, and, uh, and turn the fucking, this is like real propane shit right here. <laughs> um, so yeah, the three years happen and I'm like, really start diving in. I, I, I wasn't playing as many shows. Mm. I had my festival rare. That was that we were doing crazy numbers um, that we were doing sporadically in Myanmar and Thailand yeah. and other places selling 15,000 Thailand. We do rare every year. We do 15,000 tickets every year. Orlando, we were doing 15,000 tickets, which was the second biggest festival next to EDC Orlando. Mm-hmm. Um, I did El Paso, Rare El Paso, two years back to back, highest selling electronic artist in El Paso. I did LA, yeah, Bay El- Area. Go, let's go back to El Paso because that's what happened there because it's very random. Super random. <laughs> El Paso is like, I could run for mayor in El Paso. But when really? <laughs> it's crazy. It's honestly crazy. And it's all Mexicans. I'm not Mexican. Yeah, yeah, but yeah. all the border towns of Texas fucking adore me. Yeah. And obviously because they're Hispanic and I've done so much charity work there and in Texas yeah. and, you know, working with Raices, which is a nonprofit mm-hmm. organization that helps deal with families across the border, just Amazing. like my family. Yeah. Yeah. Um, and, and, and one of the funniest thing is one of the cities where I'm really big in Texas, RGV, which is McAllen, where my family got granted asylum. At. Amazing. Um, but yeah, whatever. The border towns love me. El Paso is like, one of the best places in the world to play in best crowds. Um, ever since I started playing there in 2013, I've sold out every show there. Really? Um, they just like, they just really fucked with me. Um, so El Paso is incredible. Um, but yeah, the, I was doing all the rares and I was crushing it. And that's the time where I stopped playing a lot of these festivals, yeah. like the EDCs and the ultras, because I was focusing on my brand. Yeah, yeah. I was focusing on my thing and it was doing really good. I was doing huge. I, mean, I was one of the first DJs to start doing his own festivals Yeah, in America. Now it's kind of like a normal thing where you big artist does its one off first guys that was doing other than you had your mad decent block parties yeah. that Diplo was doing that were that were crushing but they were like block parties you know yeah, 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 yeah. I was like this festival guy I wanted a festival you know mm-hmm. so I would link up with AEG and Insomniac and Live Nation all these people and I was doing these these shows all over the world they were doing pretty good numbers I didn't know the rest of so was you yeah it was just it yeah, was all me that. did it all all by myself we we did crazy numbers everywhere and and still doing now um yeah, Myanmar, Thailand, Chile. We've done a lot of cool stuff, and but that was like the whole rare brand was was 
hard yeah. EDM with a rapper. Yeah. So it was like, it was rapper EDM. We had Travis Scott, Wiz Khalifa, Mac Miller. Mm. We got everyone on the fucking yeah. bears. Cause, cause they were all my homies. So they all Ray Shrummer, little Yachty's Migos. Like I, we, they was all homies. So, that, you know, they would all come out and they, all these rappers yeah. would see me doing these big EDM festivals. They're like, we want to do that. You know? <laughs> like what's up with that? So like, they kind of love it. You know, this is this is my life. Carnage's life is intertwined, intertwined between rap, mm. EDM, and underground. Yeah, that's been my life. You know, um, so the last three years, I'm getting, I'm, I'm changing my life, and I'm trying to do, trying to figure out a new sound, and try to figure everything out. And um, I just really start, I, I, I start detaching myself from EDM because I'm getting tired of it. It yeah. all sounds the same. I started working on more rap music because rap music at that time was blowing up. Yeah. Now we're at a time where rap music is stale again. Mm -hmm. The bubble, the rap EDM bubble moved over to the rap bubble. And now the rap bubble is moving on over to the underground well, house bubble. I right think, now. I think what happens and you'll probably be able to agree with me. And I think we kind of br brushed over mm -hmm. it, but what happens is something becomes fashionable and then everyone switches. And that's when, when everyone switches, you you create a scene that isn't very creative because everyone's just trying to copy everybody and you, exactly. you just get a stale movement. Um, it's happened a lot over the years and I, I, I've, I've, All over. I've watched you from the peripheries for many years and I've seen what you've done. And it's super interesting to see how, and also speak to you on now, but like how you've evolved as an artist um, and how important that has been to kind of keep fresh. But what, what's really interesting to me is how you've evolved as an artist, but also taken your fans with you from beforehand. I, I had a talk with Michael Julian the other day. Um, Love that guy. He, he, MJ said, that he said it perfectly. Um, he said, he was like, cause we were talking about my shows, my Taraka shows, mm -hmm. which I've started and my fans are, all right. If, if you, if like, it's funny because they've all grown. Yeah. Um, but like I had like, if you could go back and ask anyone that's, that's been out in America or, you know, that's been DJing, like I had one of the craziest cult followings yeah. in EDM history ever. Like I had some crazy diehard fans, like. Yeah crazy tattoos and just like crazy would travel everywhere like crazy crazy shit because a lot of people related with me it was yeah. a it was a pro and it was a con because when a person like me as is as loud it's very easy to find out it's it's easy for a person who's relatable to be like oh i like this guy because yeah, i yeah. fuck with how he rocks but it's also very easy to be someone to be like i don't like that guy yeah because then you have other guys think about all there's so many so many artists obviously I let my music, the reason why I haven't, I haven't fell off or haven't completely vanished off the aisle, off this planet is because I keep coming out with good music, you know? Totally. But yeah. if I, if, if I didn't have music, I would have been gone for now because think about how many people are out there that have no face, no personalities and just let the music speak for themselves. Yeah. Yeah. That's all you really have to relate to that person is the music. Yeah. But I'm a human. We're all human. And a lot of people out there can relate with me because I've come from nothing and made something. Yeah. And I'm also, you know, like it's, it's, you know, it's, it's easy. If you, you can meet someone and talk to someone for five minutes and, and figure out if you like the person or oh, not, 100%. you know, or even like, yeah, you yeah. know, so, you know, it's, it's, uh, it's, uh, 
it's just it's just been you know i've 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 been trying to figure out you know that balance and my fans have stayed with me and the pitch that mj said because we were talking about i was talking about you know like he was like, you know, you should get all, all these, you know, a lot of these artists on, on the shows, blah, blah. And he was like, basically, all you have to do, really, you don't really go for the bigger guys, but you go for the smaller guys. And your pitch is, basically, is that, hey, like, if I'm talking to Will Clark right now, right? Here's the thing, you're going down, right? You're your agent or whoever. You're trying to make the right plays, the right bookings, the right thing, whatever, right? So, one of the reasons that I've noticed and one of the reasons why I've kind of strayed away from EDM yeah. is that all of the EDM DJs, everyone in this cycle in America, all play the same venues, yeah. the same shows, and it's all the same bands. Yeah. If I'm pitching you and I'm like, yo, Will, I want you to come and play my show. Mm. What do you gain from that? Well, you're gaining two to 3,000 fans that have never heard you and probably will never listen to you ever. 100%. Yeah. So you're gaining a whole new set of fans mm. that will come to that cycle that you're in and that you have to play in. Totally. I'm offering you new fans that will support you and love you and will come to your festival stage the next time you play at boom, 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 or boom, yeah, boom, boom. Yeah, yeah. I have thousands and thousands of fans that have never listened to this type of music before. 100%. I'm introducing this. I have a school of kids that I'm introducing them a whole new sound and they're loving it. Yeah. So the fact that they're loving it, that means they're, they're, they're being, Oh, I want to hear more. Yeah. Yeah. Totally. So I'm offering you the pitch that MJ said is like, basically I'm offering you new fans that you, that you, you, you don't have the ability to, to reach. 100%. So why wouldn't a person come and get new fans? I totally agree with you. And I think what we're going to be seeing now is more of that coming up. 100%. And especially with, especially how big uh, the scene is getting. Yeah. Oh, it's, it's, let's be honest, like Tech House, and this is no disrespect to the Tech House scene, but Tech House is now the new EDM. And Tech House is, Tech House is the new EDM for yeah. sure. And 100%. And coming up very close behind Tech House is Techno. And uh -huh. ah, debatable. It depends in America, in America, in America, yeah. in America, Americans are, are, are so off the grid with techno that it's like, it's like, uh, it's, it's hard. It's, 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 it's different. It's different. Have you noticed? Uh, but obviously that, that also comes from the helps of Chris Lake and Fisher becoming so big and, and spreading this more Westernized yeah. tech house, the more mainstream tech house. Yeah. Um, and then you have the guys like, Chami and AC Slater and the bass, those are more like G house and the, and bass house type of stuff, yeah, yeah. which I try to stay away. I, I personally, what I'm trying to accomplish is, you know, the authenticity, the, totally. you know, cause I'm, cause also, you also got to remember when it comes into play with this whole Gordo thing is that I've been playing there. There's a small percentage of American DJs that got to DJ outside of america yeah right back then 2014 2015 i was one of the first bass bass trap guys that played tomorrowland yeah yeah ever yeah because i you know because american djs don't ever cross over mm. you have elenium yeah yeah cascades excisions you think those guys sell half amount of the tickets they sell in america in europe no nowhere even bass nectar who was a king back in the day yeah yeah would sell 20, 30,000 tickets, would go to Europe and sell 800, 1,000 tickets. Yeah, yeah. 
So I was one of this because of the changes that I made with the big room and all that stuff. I toured the world. Yeah. So I have a different mindset of how I perceive dance music and house music and techno because I'm actually going out and I'm seeing because I don't want to just travel tour America. No. I want to tour the entire fucking globe. Yeah, yeah. So that comes with authenticity. And obviously, you know, the politics of these guys and how all these guys and all these all these fucking shows. And, you know, you know, you know, they're not going to fucking just let some American DJ come and, hey, you know, put this guy on the lineup. Yeah, that's, yeah. Just, that's just not how they right. think, you know, it's the politics. Of well, shit. well, that's that's the that's one of the things I've I've come across is because I got bigger in America before anywhere else. Like everyone thinks I'm American. Yeah. Which is wild to me because I came up through the Dirty Bird thing. But it's like, I, That's... I, like I've like i just got booked for my first homecoming show back in Bristol. <laughs> first time I played in Bristol for four or five years. And it's just like, it's mental to me. I mean, bro, it's, it's the American curse. Yeah. It's the American curse. You got to be careful, bro. There's nothing wrong you with it. Big, there's nothing wrong with it's, it, but it's, it's, it's how do you get out it, of it? There's nothing wrong with it, but you get stuck in you get stuck in that in that cycle, and, mm. you, and then you're then you're fucked. Mm. Definitely, yeah, that's, and that's one of the reasons why I kind of wanted to branch Taraka off completely by itself and name it something like that, different and not yeah. American and not yeah. English, because I just didn't want to get in that curse. Yeah, I want I want my brand to be able to be taken anywhere, and no one be like, oh, that sounds like American. Yeah. No, I like that. I respect that. Dude, we've just yeah. done an hour and 20 minutes. Um, Fire. It's been amazing. Thanks for uh, thanks for coming on here. Um, thank is, you, bro. Yeah, thank, thank you, bro. It's been, a lot. It's been really good. You. Is there anything you want to kind of promote or push? Uh, tell people what you're up to. It's, gor- it's Gordo season. It's fucking Gordo season. That's all you got to promote. It's fucking Gordo season. It's about to be the biggest year of my life. Sick. I'm about to drop the biggest, biggest, biggest fucking amount of music. I have some of the biggest collabs with some of the biggest artists and DJs in the world. This whole last, this whole last couple of months, I've just been getting ready to go absolutely ape shit. And I'm about to go ape shit. And Taraka's about to go crazy. And I'm working on bringing, you know what? I'm not working on, I'm actually going to do, and, I'm, and I want you to remember this, that I'm going to bring one of the biggest techno parties in America. Sick. Let's do it. And Gordo's gonna be behind it, and Will is gonna be playing one of the parties. Let's do it, man! For sure, I'm I'm down for that. I'm down. Let's for that. go. Um, send me some music. I'd love to hear as well. Be be good. I got a lot of music to send you. you send me some shit. Let's work on some. Sounds good, man. Sounds good, mate. Have the best time in Hawaii. Live that life. Enjoy it. You've you've clearly worked hard for it and earned it. So make the most of it, and um, hopefully see you this side of the pond. Fuck yeah, chill, Tony. <laughs> Big right, love, brother. man. Take care. Keep safe. Right. See you soon. Bye, right, bro. Bye. And that's a wrap. Huge. Absolutely loved it. Thanks for coming on, uh, dude. Uh, it was amazing. Please go share. Uh, send it to your friends. Don't forget to hit subscribe and catch you soon. Big love. Lucky Land Casino asking people what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? Lucky? 
In line at the deli, I guess? Aha, in my dentist's office. More than once, actually. Do I have to say? Yes, you do. In the car before my kid's PTA meeting. Really? Yes. Excuse me, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? I never win and tell. Well, there you have it. You can get lucky anywhere, playing at LuckyLandSlots.com. Play for free right now. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details.